Well, their life is a gift from God. It's not easy. And along with all of the things that we can experience in life that bring us joy and pleasure and blessing, we also absolutely understand there's times of pain and difficulty and disappointment that can actually even lead to discouragement. And because of that, the Apostle Paul wanted to give some instruction to us as followers of Jesus as the Holy Spirit was working in his life and he was learning how to walk with Christ through times of difficulty and times of joy. And he wanted to share what he had learned from Christ to help us. In fact, in Philippians chapter four, verse 12, which is where we're gonna spend our time today, Philippians chapter four, the last part of this text that the Apostle Paul sent out to a group of believers in Jesus in the city of Philippi, this is what he writes. Listen carefully. In Philippians 4.12, he says this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty, or in want. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul says he's learned the secret of being content. Now, it's not because God wants to keep it secret. It's a secret because many people don't understand a lot of the principles that God places in his word and that Christ, in fact, gives us in his teaching that can help us to learn how to be content no matter what we face in life. And so as the Apostle Paul has begun to learn this over all that he has been through in his life, he's wanting to share the things that he's learned because he doesn't want it to be a secret anymore and neither does Christ want it to be a secret. And that's what we've been really looking at over these last few weeks is we've looked at the entire text that Paul sent out to the church in Philippi as we've went through the first three chapters. Now we're in chapter four today. So I invite you to follow along with us in the scriptures, Philippians chapter four, verses one through five. And I'm gonna be reading from the New International Version uh, today. So again, I just wanna remind you, if you have the Version app, you can go there to the events section and you'll find the sermon notes if you do a search on Porterfield Baptist Church under the events and uh, you'll have the scriptures and, and the points. But anyway, let me just read this and understand that as the Apostle Paul is writing this, it's on the heels of something that he had just said previously, reminding everyone that there is more to life than just what we're experiencing in the here and now, that we are not only citizens of an earthly government, wherever we live and whatever culture we're in, but we are citizens of heaven as followers of Jesus. So again, with that in mind, let's begin now at verse one of Philippians four. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in his way, dear friends. So I wanna stop there. The first thing that the Apostle Paul is saying that he has learned, the first real step to, to persevering and getting through life and, and learning, circum, uh, uh, learning to be content no matter what circumstance is to have this long-term perspective of perseverance, to continue with the right attitude in mind and the right perspective, to persevere with the proper perspective. And that proper perspective is, there is more to this life than what you're experiencing right now. We are citizens of heaven. And let's look on and we'll see how he drives that point home. In verse two, he says, I plead with you, Adia, and I plead with Suntuke 
to be in the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. So we see here that the Apostle Paul is directing this portion of his text now to some specific people there in the church at Philippi as a body of believers. And he's saying, I know that there is some conflict in the church. Apparently these, these two ladies uh, who were apparently predominant, well-known in the church, and we're not sure what the contention was between them. And he's kind of doing a play on words. He said, these two ladies contended with me for the faith in, in contending against all the ideologies of the world, helping me present Christ. But now they're kind of in contention and contending with each other. So remind them that we need to be unified as we face the world. We need to be unified in our love for each other and the Lord. We need to work through our differences. And then he says, and I want you, he addresses specifically Clement and the rest of the coworkers to kind of assist in that. So anytime we go through times of crisis that does present conflict and it causes conflict in our lives and sometimes in our fellowship, we need to make sure that we're working together cooperatively to get through those times. Hmm, just kind of like the issues we face now. Should I kneel, should I stand? Should I wear a mask, should I not wear a mask? Should I come to church, should I not come to church? So there's all of these things, the pressures that we face in life, personally and with other people. So we can apply this to our lives today, this very same principle that Christ would have us to work together, listen to each other, talk things through so that we can be harmonious because our names are written in the book of life. There is life beyond what we know now. So let's make sure that we're honoring Christ as we live life now and remember that. Then he says this in verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he repeats it. I will say again, rejoice. We need to be reminded because crisis brings pain. Crisis brings difficulty. It brings doubt. It brings all of those things. And I have said this throughout this series that Paul constantly is reminding us that in the midst of your pain and all of the things that you're disappointed with, find something to be thankful for. Find something to be thankful for. And that's what he's repeating here again. You need to find ways to rejoice even in your struggle. So look around and even with your pain, your disappointment, your heartache, is there something that God has put around you that you can give thanks for and actually rejoice in? And I'll say this, if you can't, then it means you are not at all looking at Jesus because we have Christ in our life. We have the hope of eternal life. If you cannot rejoice in that, you're just missing the whole point. So this is the reminder. One of the ways that we can be content in crisis times is again, is to learn to have the proper perspective and then that helps us persevere. Um, then he says this in verse five, let your gentleness be evidence to all the Lord is near. I love what Tracy just said in the music this morning when she was talking. It was an awesome point. I hadn't really thought about it. We're not socially distanced. We're just physically distanced. But socially and spiritually, we can stay connected through the unity of the spirit and through the different ways that we have to communicate with each other. So we can give thanks for that. But again, we could even address this in social media. When you get online and you state your belief or your feelings or your thoughts, we should do it with gentleness. Time and time again, it says that we're to stand up for our faith 
and to give the reason for the hope that lies within us, but we're to do it with gentleness and respect. So again, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. There's the reminder. The Lord is not socially distanced from us, nor spiritually distanced. He is near to us. So one of the common phrases in the King James Version of the Bible is this little phrase, it came to pass. Now we know that it's just talking about in the course of time, there was something that happened and then in the course of time that event passed, it came to pass. I really like that phrase though because it is a reminder that all of life as we know it now is temporary. So when you have something good that happens in your life that you're enjoying, that's great, enjoy the moment, but just understand it's gonna pass and there will be valleys that will come and there'll be difficulties. But on the other hand, if you're going through a severe crisis time right now, a time of trial that is just weighing you so far down, remember that it's temporary. It, it is coming and it's here, but it will pass. It came to pass. All of life is temporary. So again, we need to persevere with a proper perspective and remember that there is more to life than what we're experiencing right now. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes this in another uh, text that he sent out to believers in Rome. It's in Romans chapter 15, verses four and five. And he says this, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. Now he was talking about the Old Testament scriptures that they had, all of the things that happened to the nation of Israel and how God was interacting with the nation of Israel. And the Apostle Paul said, we can learn from how God interacted with them to understand what Christ is doing in our lives today at the time when he was writing this. And so we need to pay attention to that. Now, for you and I today on this side of the cross and the resurrection, as we're reading what the Apostle Paul has written, same principle applies. Everything that we're reading here in Philippians, though the Holy Spirit was impressing in Paul's spirit to write this to believers at that time in the city of Philippi, his Holy Spirit today in me as I've studied this, in you and I as we listen to these messages and we're seeking truth and we're seeking guidance from the scripture, his Holy Spirit is active and he is helping us to read these words and then to properly apply it in our situation and our circumstance today. That's why I say the Bible is always relevant. It is absolutely always rel relevant in our lives, no matter what culture you live in, no matter what background, any of that, because the principles are eternal. Again, uh, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We heard Tracy say that before uh, the songs this morning. So let's look at it again. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance, there's that word again, through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. My hope is that God's using this message today to encourage your heart through the scriptures so that we can know how we can find a measure of contentment during difficult times. And then look at what he says in verse five, and I've got it for you on the screen here, hopefully, hopefully you see it. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. It is so important for us to have harmony in the Lord's church. There is enough discord and disagreement and ugliness in the world, Christ wants us to live differently and to present him in, in love and in truth and in spirit, led of his spirit. We need to have a team mindset for the greater good. 
Next, we see the Apostle Paul writes this in verses six and seven. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Here it is again, whether it's good times or bad times, in every situation, by prayer and petition, here's this word again, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Find something to be thankful for, even as you're praying to God, and even as you're worried and upset and anxious. He's saying, don't do that. Don't just worry, but instead, find something to be thankful for, thank God for that, and then make your request known to God. Present your request to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, that's what I would describe as contentment, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Time and time again, the Apostle Paul says, you've got to have this connection with Christ Jesus. You've got to have this relationship with him. You've got to make sure that you're opening your spirit to his spirit, allowing his spirit to come in. It means you believe he is the son of God. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. He has sent his spirit into the world to indwell us and to guide us and direct us. It really is a spiritual connection. And if we will take that seriously and begin to put these things into practice, it will begin to help us experience contentment even through difficult times. So he said we need to persevere with the proper perspective. And then the way I would put this verse is we need to turn our worries into prayer. Jesus himself said, what can you add to your life by worrying? You know, he's like, who can even add one single moment of their life through worrying? And in fact, it's pretty much a scientific proven uh, truth that worrying could actually shorten your life. It's, it's not good for your physical health. It's not good for your mental health, emotional health. And so when we worry, we're expending all of this energy in our body and in our mind um, that doesn't do a thing for us or anyone else. It only causes harm. So what we need to learn to do is to turn those worries into prayers. Instead of just taking that nervous energy and, and fretting and going around pacing or whatever, however we handle worry, do something with it. Use that energy to go to Christ, ask for his help and strength. Now you're turning that energy into something useful. An analogy I would use with that is like uh, when we start our cars or our, our uh, motor vehicles, whatever, and we just leave it in neutral, it is sitting there, the engine's running, it's burning gas, it's using oil, it's, using, it's doing wear and tear on the engine. It's doing all of this stuff and the vehicle is not getting anywhere. You're not getting anywhere. But if you put the transmission into drive or into gear, now you're gonna start getting somewhere. You're gonna start getting traction. That's how it is in our life with worry. When you are just constantly worrying and that's all you're focusing on and you're not praying, it's like leaving your spiritual life in neutral and you're just wasting all of that energy. Put it in drive, so to speak. Turn that energy into prayer, and then you'll begin to uh, find that it does make a difference. Uh, don't leave your life in park or in neutral. The, the next thing that we see here in verses eight and nine is this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, and I'm gonna pause after each one of these things because I want us to think about it. Whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice 
and the God of peace will be with you. So we see here that the Apostle Paul is saying another secret that I have learned over my lifetime, and especially as a follower of Jesus, is along with having the proper perspective and persevering and, and praying instead of worrying or turning those worries to prayer, to, to prayer, I also need to make sure that I am training my brain, I am thinking positively, and I'm working practically to do something about the situations I'm in. So I wanna take a moment and really focus in on verse eight because too often we read this or we hear this verse and we say, oh yeah, okay, that's nice. And we just move on and we don't really think about what it means. So what I'd like to do is when we look at each of those words that he says, like whatever's true, noble, right, I want you to think for a moment about what the opposite of that is and then ask yourself the question, what am I dwelling on? What am I allowing my thoughts to dwell on and focus on? So when you hear the news or when you talk to people or when you get on social media, are you focusing on what is true or are you focusing on what is not true? Are you rejoicing in things that you see that truly is honoring Christ and true? Or are you upset and focused on the things that you see that you don't believe is true or misleading and you're focusing on that? I guarantee you, if you focus on all the lies and deception and all of that, you're gonna be miserable. <laughs> um, I hear it all the time, I see it all the time, I'm affected by it because I do the same thing. So I have to begin to choose, rather than focusing on all these things that upset me, I'm going to focus on what I know is true and right. And that means for many of you, and I'll include myself, many of us, we need to turn the TV off or get off of social media for a while. We need to pick up the word of God and we need to think about what is true instead of everything that upsets us that we think is maybe not true. What are you training your brain to do? What's your default mode that you're falling into? This stuff matters. So let's look at the next one, whatever is noble um, and whatever is right. Well, again, if you just focus on the things that you see in society that is ennoble and not right, um, then you're gonna be upset. There's a lot of focus right now on justice issues. And I understand that there are a lot of problems with justice in our world. There has always been. The key phrase right now that we just see constantly all the time, social justice, social justice, social justice, racial justice, all of those things. Those are important concepts, but so are the concepts of justice with God and being made right with God. We need to not only just focus on specific types of justice, but all types of justice. Because when we begin to focus on one little area, we're no longer thinking in a noble way, we're being selective. So are you thinking on what is truly noble or are you thinking on things that are not so noble? Are you thinking on focusing on what is wrong with the world or are you willing to look and say, well, yeah, we're in a mess, but I'm glad that there are still some things that are, are good. Here's another thing, whatever is pure. That means without corruption. <laughs> well, really, there's nowhere you can look around the world and, and, and not see corruption. But again, are you gonna focus your thoughts on what is pure or are you gonna focus your thoughts on what is corrupt? This is huge in what we watch in our entertainment, what we allow to fill into our eyes and our minds as we get online, as we, again, as we get on social media or just whatever form of entertainment. 
What are you filling your mind with? You need to choose a different path or you're going to be very discontent. If you want to experience contentment, you need to begin to replace all those negative things with something more powerful, more positive, which is the Spirit of Christ, the Word of God. And then even in through that, he gives us things in the world that align with his Word that we can enjoy. So this is not something that we can't experience. I'm not just talking about some ideology here or ideal. These are things that we truly can see uh, as we see his hand at work. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. So is your mind focused on the things that are unlovely in the world and inadmirable? If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, again, think about such things. You get the idea. This is a good practice for us to do on a regular basis is to look at, these, look at this scripture, think of these things, and then ask yourself the question, what is my default mode? Am I training my brain to think positively or am I just constantly defaulting to watching stuff on TV and things that just get me upset and angry and mad? Then you're not going to be content. So it's your choice. Think practically. Here's the next one in verse 9. Look at what he says now. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. It is important, the type of example that we set for Christ. It matters how you live for Jesus. It's more than just saying, well, I believe in Jesus, and yes, I accepted him as my Savior. And then you go out and you just live uh, however you think you ought to live without following the teachings of Christ, without really studying and asking God to help you apply it to your life. And so we need to be aware of the type of example that we're setting, and it's important for us as we look at those around us that we pick out examples that truly are reflecting Jesus Christ. The original title Christian was not something that followers of Jesus called themselves. They were first called Christians in this town of Antioch up north of uh, Israel, up north of Jerusalem and, and all of that in this town because the people who were followers of Jesus there so much reflected Jesus in the way that they lived and the way that they treated each other that people said, they are like little Christs. <laughs> and that's li literally what the word Christian means, little Christs. So we should live our life in such a way that people could look at us and go, well, there's no doubt about that person because I see Jesus in them. Everything I've heard about Jesus reading the Bible, I see it exemplified in their life. And this is what the apostle Paul was saying. He wasn't saying he was a perfect person, but he was saying, I have tried to model Jesus in my life. I was willing to let go of everything I believed in the past about God because I realized who Jesus is, that he is God in the flesh. He's our savior. And so now I've pursued Christ. And as I've been willing to do that and to follow him, I encourage you to follow that example. And then look at what he says. And, and so again, we're not talking about an ideology here. Now we're talking about what are you practicing? How are you living it out? So it's not just what you think but it is what you do, what you practice. And he says, if you do this, he says, and the God of peace will be with you. Hmm, peace, contentment. I don't think it's a stretch there. If you want to be content in times of crisis, persevere with a proper perspective, turn worries into prayer, think positively, and then act practically. Now here's the key focal point, really, of this whole thing today. 
and we see it in verses 10 through 13. So I'm gonna make a statement and then I'm gonna share the scripture and hopefully back up the statement that I'm making that you'll see what I'm drawing out of this as, as I've read this and reflected on and feel like the Holy Spirit is, is directing me in this way to encourage you. But here's the thing, it's not gonna sound like it makes sense at first, but contentment is a choice. Contentment is a choice, it is a mindset. You can have your mind made up that you're gonna be happy and miserable, or you can have your mind made up that you know what, no matter what I face in life, I'm gonna keep my eyes on Christ and it may not feel good, but I'm going to choose contentment. Now, that doesn't come magically. It doesn't come in a moment. And this is the other point that I wanna make. Contentment is learned through a process and that process comes as you allow Christ's Holy Spirit to work in and through you through every circumstance you go through. Now, I'm gonna read the scripture and see if what I'm telling you or what I felt the Lord impressing on me, see if this isn't what the Apostle Paul is saying. Here, you, here we go in verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'll explain what that means in a moment. And he goes on and he says, I am not saying this because I am in need. Here it is, pay attention. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. You see Paul saying, this didn't come just like that. I had to come to learn it. It came from practice, it came from understanding. It was a process. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Verse 12, and this is what I shared at the beginning of the message. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. In other words, in good times or bad times, and then he says this in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, so often in my life, I've heard people quote verse 13 alone, out of context. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And they say that when they're trying to accomplish something in life and maybe it's a sporting event and I've heard many athletes or, well, maybe not many, but I've heard some athletes use that verse. And again, it's not that that's wrong because God does give us power to get through life and to do things. But in this particular instance, we need to understand the real application of what the Apostle Paul is saying here dealt with being content in crisis and difficult situations. He says, it's only through the power of Christ that I can do this. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means even in my time of crisis and difficulty, I know he is going to help me get through this. But again, we need to make sure that we're trusting God through that process. So again, I'm gonna make the statement because this is one of the things I hope that you'll get in your mind with whatever difficulty you're going through right now because we're all going through this frustration with the pandemic and all the ramifications of it. But in the midst of that, there are people that are going through crisis situations that would have happened without the pandemic. The pandemic has just made it more um, intense and it's maybe added some complications to it. But many people are going through times of crisis right now, many that I mentioned in my prayer a little while ago. But here it is, contentment again is not based on outward circumstances or possessions, but it is, it's, it's, um, 
It's based on what you're experiencing in Christ. So contentment is a choice and it is learned through a process empowered by the Holy Spirit. So um, think of that. Now, just to back that up a little bit more, we cannot always choose what we have, but we can choose to be content with what we have. The Apostle Paul writes this to one of his young believer or one of his young followers, uh, 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 a person who was being called into ministry. His name was Timothy. First Timothy chapter six, verse eight. Paul writes this to Timothy, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Here again, Paul is instructing someone else coming up in the ministry and, and as a teacher of Christ, um, one who was going to be a church leader. He said, Timothy, you need to remember contentment is a choice. And so if we, if we can just have the basic things of life, you know, we're, we're just gonna find contentment in whatever state we're in. If we have food and clothing, we're gonna be content with that. Hebrews 13, five through six says this, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. See, it's a choice because even people that are wealthy are not always content. So keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So this is the attitude that we need to have as we go through life. Again, contentment is a choice, just to review that. I know I'm really hammering at home, but contentment is a choice learned through a process empowered by Christ's Holy Spirit. And then finally this morning, uh, the next thing that is a bit of a secret but it's not intended to be a secret, but just a lot of people don't get it. And I'm gonna word it this way. Compassion helps with contentment. Compassion helps us experience contentment in times of crisis. Now, obviously it works two ways. If someone is showing compassion to us in our time of crisis, well, absolutely that helps. It helps us to experience a little bit of contentment and it helps us to have something to be thankful for. But it even goes deeper than that. It's what you are doing in your time of crisis to help someone else. Because then it helps take your focus off of you and what you're experiencing and you're also looking to say, even though I'm hurting right now, is there something I can do through this time to encourage someone else or to help someone else in some way? And we see this in the life of the church as we go through the pandemic and through times of crisis, we see the church and the spirit of Christ continuing even as we're all affected by this, we're wanting to help other people who are affected. So now I'm gonna, as I finish this out, I'm gonna read this and it's gonna refer back to something that I read a few moments ago that I would explain. So here we go, Philippians chapter four, verse 14. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Right there, the Apostle Paul is saying, thank you for your compassion. As I've gone through my imprisonment and the unfair treatment that I've gone through, I am so grateful that you have showed compassion to me. He goes on and he says, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Now this refers back to something that he said earlier there that I said I would explain. It's, it's referring to, 
in, in Paul's travels, when he was first sharing the gospel message, when he would travel from town to town, when he came into the city of Philippi and he told them about Christ and what Christ has done for all of us through his life, death, and resurrection, there were many people in the city who trusted Christ as their savior. They were filled with Christ's spirit. They rejoiced together. They formed a body of believers, a church. And then as Paul left town with his entourage, because Paul did have those people that traveled with him to help, it was like his evangelistic team, his mission team. And so as they left town and traveled to other cities, the people from Philippi were so grateful for what Paul was doing, they continued to send him financial aid. So it wasn't like they just took up a love offering for him when he came into town and gave it to him. After he left, they said, we believe in what you're doing. We want to support this mission. And so they would send him money in whatever town he went to. Now, there was a few occasions where they wanted to, but they were not able to. And this is kind of what he refers to earlier. But now he's just thanking them for the support that they have continued to give him. And that's all that he's talking about there. Now, when he says this in verse 17, this is interesting. He says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. So he's saying, you all have been so generous and I am so grateful. You've done more than I could even expect. And I'm thankful for that. But he said, it's not just the gifts that you're giving me that has been wonderful and that I desire. I desire that you be given credit for this, more credit to your account. Now, what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about two things, I believe. Number one, we are a witness to the world by our generosity. We are a witness to the world, again, by the way that we treat others, the way that we show our love for one another. Jesus said the world's gonna know that we're his followers by the love that we have for one another. It begins there with us, but then of course it spreads from us out into the world because we're to love and to pray for even our enemies and share Christ with them that they might be saved. So he's talking about the account of their witness, number one, but also there is a spiritual dynamic that though we do not work for our salvation, and Paul taught it many, many times in his writing, so he is not referring anything here, talking about adding something to your spiritual bank, bank account that you can earn salvation. It's a gift that's already been given us through Christ. But what, what Christ and the scriptures teach that as we receive the gift of Christ and the gift of heaven through faith in Christ, we can't earn it, but once we receive that gift, what we do with that gift can give us rewards that we'll experience in heaven. And I believe not only in heaven, but in this life as well. Because I believe that God honors faith and he rewards it in different ways. It doesn't mean, again, that we're never going to go through hard times, but he will bless us as we are faithful, not only in this life, but in the life to come. So that's what Paul's saying is, your compassion has ministered to me and helped me to be content, find some contentment in my crisis, but I also uh, want you to, to make sure that you're understanding God will take note of that and you'll be rewarded for it. So anyway, he goes on and he says, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. So here again, they sent somebody that had some of these financial gifts to help Paul in his time of imprisonment. And then he refers to them as an offering to God, just like in the Old Testament times when they would bring an animal to the, the uh, tabernacle or uh, the tent of meeting or the temple and they would slay that animal and offer it as a sacrifice to God. And the priest got to share in that, and it was a blessing. 
Paul is saying, this is the modern day example of that. When you're giving financially into the work of the ministry, look at what he says. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. So just real quick, uh, as we wrap this up, I want to show you some pictures today of how the church here at Porterfield, through our crisis time, though we were not able to send our mission team in July to the Dominican Republic like we wanted to because of all the travel restrictions, we wanted to continue to be compassionate in our time of crisis to help others that were going through a time of crisis. So we went ahead and sent money ahead that had been collected for this mission trip because part of the mission trip that our people were going to do was to help have a roof put on a house for a lady named Jehida. Jehida is the national director of the Lily House Mission in the Dominican Republic. And the Lily House Foundation helps with women who have been uh, sex trafficked, uh, again, a modern day form of slavery really, helping get women out of that sex trafficking industry and getting them into an environment where they can learn to stand on their own two feet, get a job, get training, get counseling, get help, and share the word of God with them. What a wonderful way uh, to help people uh, not only come to know Christ, but to say, we're, we're here with you for the long haul. So again, the Lily House um, mission, they provide vocational training, children ministries, counseling, housing, and meals, and then most importantly, the Word of God. Well, Jehida has a house uh, in the Dominican Republic there that uh, it's really not real livable. It's a block house, and what you see there on the screen is what the house looked like before the floor and the roof could be put uh, on it. And so she, this is something that they had been wanting to do for years. Well, there was another church that was going to go over there before we were going to go, and they did as we did. They just went ahead and sent the money there and said, use your local people to go ahead and put the floor in Jehida's house. And we sent the money over and said, go ahead and hire local people and get the roof put on the house. So here's a picture of that block house. And by the way, they're built that way so that they can be durable with all the extreme weather that the Dominican Republic gets, hurricanes and all these different things, high winds. So that's a view of the house before uh, the work began. And then the next slide, if you look at that, this is Jehida standing in front of her home uh, with the roof now that is being constructed on the top and the floor that's, uh, that has already been put in. So she is very grateful. Now you look at that, and again, that is a very um, meager, modest place to live. Um, and yet she is so grateful and thankful that she is having a home now that can uh, hopefully stand the test of time. So go ahead and put the next slide up. There's an intermediate picture here of the construction of the roof. So that's that grid that you see. And what they would do is they would take rebar and any kind of scrap materials that would be suitable to form a support structure that they would put on the roof. And then they would pour concrete on top of that to reinforce it. And uh, the reason they did that was, is because in the Dominican Republic, there's not a lot of land, you know, to, you can't expand out. You gotta work with the set amount of land. So any expansion on homes or businesses or anything would be vertical, would be built up. So they make the roof with a concrete structure and flat so that if they would ever need to build onto it, they could build up. What often happens in a lot of countries like this is if there is a ministry that's going on, and we know with some of our brothers and sisters in Christ in the Philippines, what they'll do is if they build a structure and they're living in the bottom section of it, if they're able to build on top of it, maybe they'll move up into the upper stru structure, that becomes their home, and the bottom structure becomes a ministry area. 
So again, I don't know if that's the, what Jehida has in mind, but the point is this is the f- way of thinking a lot of times in those countries. So again, they're doing it with what they have to work with. And the picture that you see with the, with the cattle there, <laughs> the livestock in front of her home, that's pretty common also in places like Nicaragua and the Dominican Republic. Some of the, some of the animals just roam around in the streets nearby. But that is actually a picture now of her house that has the finished work with the roof on it and the flooring structure. So I'm thankful that we can do that. Here's some things locally that you can do to help. If you want to share compassion and to help others in a time of crisis, it'll help you experience contentment. So coming up, next, not this week here, but next week, beginning on August 10th, Monday, August 10th, Belpre Area Ministries, we take turns, the different churches in the Belpre area, to show unity in Christ and our love for Christ and our love for people. We take turns serving at the food pantry and the thrift shop uh, at the building that is right next to Rockland United Methodist Church. And the acronym is BAM, Belpre Area Ministries. And so August 10th on Monday, August 12th on Wednesday, August 14th on Friday from 10 to 2.30, we need some volunteers. We've got three people from Porterfield that are trained and know what they're doing that will be there during those hours. What we need is additional hands and some additional help. So if you can just do even one or two hours on any of those days, uh, please contact the church office and we'll get your name and your information. Make sure you leave that with us. And then uh, we'll work out the schedule. Because ideally what we'd like to have is three more people. We'd like to have a total of six if we could during those hours each day. And we'll try to coordinate that. Another thing that's coming up is our Stephen ministry. Um, We are wanting to have a general informational meeting here in a couple of weeks about mid-August. And you'll hear about that and and how we're going to try to present that. So if you're interested in the Stephen ministry, and and the Stephen ministry is all about caring for people uh, facing life's difficulties with the love and healing presence of Christ. That's their mission statement. And if you'd like to learn how to be a better listener and just how to come alongside somebody and pray for them and encourage them in their time of need, then I would really strongly encourage you to consider going through the Stephen ministry training and serve as a Stephen minister in the church. Obviously, we want to thank you for your continued financial support. Uh, That's how we can continue to minister here as a staff and as a church body. And I, like the Apostle Paul, want to just say thank you. Thank you so much for meeting our needs. And uh, we want to continue to honor Christ with the way that we serve. Now, there's one other thing, and that is... Even in the midst of all we're facing, we're looking at doing a third service on Sunday morning that would involve a service especially for parents who have children. And so to make that happen, Trisha's got volunteers to help with the children, but we need some additional volunteers to help out with our production team, which would involve lighting, running a camera, sound, different things, just learning to use some equipment. Some of those tasks are simple, some are more complicated. We really need help if we're going to do that third service. We'd love to have some more help in that production area where a lot of people know know of it as AV, audio, video, lighting, but it's more than that. If you would like to come and be a part of that, just to take a turn, again, we need some help. Contact the church office, and you can help make that happen in the life of the church, and hopefully we can offer a third service on Sunday mornings. So in closing, this is the way that the Apostle Paul ends this Big long text that he sent out to the believers at Philippi. He says this, And my God will meet all your needs 
according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I love that because he is saying, when we learn these principles and when we reach out with compassion, even in our times of crisis, God notices that. He's going to take care of you, even at times when you don't feel like it. You don't feel his presence. He is near and he will help. And so he concludes by saying, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever, amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus, the brothers and sisters who are with me, send greetings and all God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your speaking to and through the apostle Paul that applied to believers back then. And I thank you that you're still speaking to and through us today. So thank you for this message of encouragement. Help us to remember to persevere with a proper perspective. Help us to remember to turn our worries into prayer. Help us to remember to think positively and practically. Help us to remember that contentment is a choice, but it is learned through a process. It's difficult, but we can do it, empowered by your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. And then help us to remember to not only receive compassion and be willing to receive help in our times of crisis, but to be willing to give it. And I know, Lord, based on your word, because I've learned it in my own life, that if we will put these principles into practice, we can experience contentment in our times of crisis and difficulty. So thank you for your presence. And if there's anyone listening today to this message who hasn't opened their life to you, help them, encourage them through this message today to simply open their life to Christ, be willing to let go of the things that's holding them back from you so that they can have their soul and their spirit totally open to embracing you as you come into their life by faith in your name, amen.